Attention procrastinators and last-minute schedulers. Registration for the Maine Summer Adventure Race has been extended until Sunday, June 11th. Conveniently located an hour north of Portland, two hours from Boston, and a half-day's drive from someplace in eastern Canada, the Maine Summer Adventure Race is designed to be easy to get to but hard to complete. The highlight of this year's race will be an ocean panel that will take advantage of the incoming tide. Registration includes rentals of a single or tandem Neki Luksha sea kayak. Trail runners and mountain bikers will also find plenty to love in this year's race. And optional checkpoints located off trail deep in the main woods will challenge even the sharpest map reading mind. A simultaneous three-hour race has been specially designed for families and those looking to try out the sport for the first time. Both races are designed by members of Strong Machine Adventure Racing and all proceeds from the race benefit the Mid-Coast Conservancy, a land conservation and environmental education nonprofit. For more information or to register, go to mainsummerar.com and you can find that link in the show notes. Uh, just a little aside, go to this race. I think it's going to be really cool. Unfortunately, it's too far for me, but uh, you'll enjoy it. So, Thank you. Welcome to TA1, everything you want to know about adventure racing and then some. I'm your host, legendary Randy Erickson. Got a legendary chili dog literally sleeping at my feet. So much so that I have to slide way forward on the chairs because I can't roll it forward anymore or it'll run over her. So, yeah, see how professional I am? Anyway, uh, rainy night. In Georgia, or South Dakota, actually. But um, what's been going on? We've got two races going on around the world right now. We've got the uh, raid in France and the X Trail in China. Both a couple days in. Looks like there's some good uh, competition going on. I can't uh, do quite as much dot watching as I'd like. Just kind of get busy doing real life stuff but um you should if you haven't found it you should go to the uh ar live page i'll put a link into it in the show notes so if you don't know that you'll be able to uh catch up um craig does a good job over there explaining things and uh trying to make sense of what's going on uh I got to shoot a mountain bike race last weekend up near Sturgis, South Dakota. It's pretty amazing. 25-ish years ago when I was racing. 200 maybe, 150, 200 riders and 25. So some good racers. Actually, um, it's kind of exciting because they've started a youth high school um, division team kids racing. So. Go kids. Uh, there's hope for us yet, maybe. Next weekend is the Gravel Grinder Gold Rush. I'll be shooting like the 60, the se- I mean the 70, the 100, and the 200. So that'll be Saturday. Then I got another weekend, the uh, Black Hills Fat Tire Festival. I don't think anybody's close enough to come to it, but they have uh, kind of an interesting race, an all-mountain race. So they do time sections of hill climbing, uh, enduro downhilling, all in the same race. So that's kind of cool. And then uh, what's next? Oh, then we got the Black Hills 100. And then I think I'm kind of quiet other than going to Vermont with Team 4050. And then, by God, it's going to be World Championship time. So it's coming fast. Hope... uh, Hope you're all working hard. So that's probably enough of this goofish goofishness. I wonder if that's a word. It's my word. So from uh, me and the chili dog and Stevie and Jimmy who are in a uh, timeout because they were being really, really loud, even more 
annoying than normal for the podcast. Um, I'll go get them as I finish this up and post it. So go fast, take chances, and have some adventure out there. Thanks for listening. Bye. Hello. Hey there. Hey, are you there? Hey, Randy. How you doing? Good. I don't have my camera on because I have a face for radio. Oh, I got no worries. No worries. No worries. How are you doing today? Good. I feel like I'm in the big time. I finally I have guests that actually have a hard out, just like the big time podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I think you're pretty big time. I've was, heard of you before. Yeah, I was going to say, we've seen you at a bunch of other races. We've, we've come across you at Wyoming Cowboy Tough, uh, a couple other races as well. So uh, Yeah, uh, Untamed in... In 2014. I think that was the first time we met you because that was our first AR, or our first expedition-linked AR. Uh, Well, we'll get to there, but I want to know how how is it when you work with somebody and then race with them? We've had had married couples on, and they seem to survive, but how do you guys do it? It's pretty easy. I mean, so we started racing together before we started working together. Um, Yeah. Which I don't know if that makes it easier or harder or indifferent. Yeah, I don't know. it's been fine. Yeah. Uh, but our friendship was like initially built on racing, so I guess if anything, work probably suffers and racing doesn't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, uh, yeah, yeah. Eric is certainly one of one of uh, one of my my best friends. I mean, he's been in my he was in my wedding, uh, and then I recruited him here a couple of years ago. So yeah, the friendship and racing comes before the work stuff. Yeah. Well, that's pretty cool. So what do you guys do there in Baston? Uh, we are both software developers for a startup company called Catalan Technologies. Uh, so we've been here for a few years now. So, okay, here we go. Off on a tangent. All right. What, is, what, is, what do you guys do? What do you do during the day? You sit around and think. You, you write you, code. Yeah, I mean, for the most, yeah. <laughs> sit around uh, typing a lot on our keyboards, yeah. So I guess the adventure racing is a good escape from it. Um, but, uh, no, writing a lot of code for uh, for our company. Um, Eric's a little bit more on the, the managerial track here. I'm a little bit more on the, the tech-focused track. Um, so, uh, you know, day-to-day, it's just kind of a lot of, but looking forward to so what we're going to do on the on the tech and, and people side, what we're going to build for products in the next year. So what 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 is the startup, or, or do you have to kill me if you tell me? No, no, no. We're we're uh, well out of stealth mode at this point. Okay. So um, we are a uh, an online marketplace connecting Fortune 500 companies with okay. short term on demand talent. So if you're a uh, a GE or a you know Pfizer or something like that. Um, I'm gonna get that door. Uh, sorry, we're we're nestled in a conference room here. Um, so if you're, a, if you're a Pfizer, a big company, uh, and you don't want to hire a, a Bain or a Deloitte to do a small short-term project, you can come to our platform and find an expert uh, that can do it uh, instead of two months, within two weeks. Uh, to for a, a fraction of the cost, basically. So we focus very heavily on. Uh, high high caliber talent for extremely short ten year projects. Cool, Fiverr Fiver for five hundred Fortune five hundred companies. Yes, yeah, exactly. That's a great analogy. Yes. Yeah, you can use that. Go ahead. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, hopefully, we try to. We're a little more upscale than Fiverr. Our, our average yeah. project cost is about thirty k. But uh, but yeah, I mean, we're basically it's on demand consulting. So, well, that's kind of. I mean, so. Who who thought of that? Who's the brains? I mean, that's a that's a really cool thing, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's great. It actually was uh, an inception. So the founders of the company came out of Harvard Business School. I, I'd love to say that we were the ones that came up with the idea, yeah. but <laughs> unfortunately not. We did, we came shortly after. Um, but uh, the the founders of the company came out of Harvard Business School, and this was actually their class project back when they were graduating. And they got so much traction from it when they were um, coming out of their entrepreneurship classes. Uh, they decided to continue on into the real world to see how it would do. And, and originally, the, the focus of the entire company was really on small businesses, not Fortune mm-hmm. 500 companies. Uh, and then it was early 2015 when we kind of made a pivot and realized that there was a lot more, um, a lot more value for what we were offering in the in the big company space um, with the type of talent that we were recruiting into the marketplace. Yeah. Well, small companies don't have any money, right? Yes, exactly. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yes. Okay. 
one one final question, and then maybe we'll move on. But so in uh, fifteen years, when they make a movie about the startup, who's gonna who's gonna play each of you in the movie? Oh, well, that's a good question. Oh, jeez, yeah, I don't even know. I've been trying to look like John Cena, but I don't know if he acts. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's pretty, I don't know. I don't know who would play me. Uh, it's a good question. I'll have to think about that and get back to you over the course of this, okay. this phone call. <laughs> so, um, all right. Oh, you know what we should do is introduce them yourselves so people know who's talking. Sure, sure. Yeah, let us let us know, by the way, if there's any like specific way we should be chatting or doing any of this for, nope. the, for the podcast. So You should know by now that this we put the F in professional in this, so we're – we're doing good. <laughs> awesome. Good stuff. Why don't you go ahead? Uh, yeah, so I'll go ahead. So my name is, uh, my name is Rick Kelty. Uh, I'm based in Watertown, Massachusetts, uh, and I've been doing adventure racing for seven years now. Seven years? Not quite. Six, six, years, six, six years, years now. Yeah. Uh, Eric and I have been racing together for six years, so 2011 is when we started. Yep, and uh, my name's Eric Weiler. I also live in Watertown right down the street from Rick. Uh, he moved, he moved there first, so you can say I followed him. But, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I've been racing with Rick for probably six years now uh, in adventure racing. Um, and prior to adventure racing, I was a competitive runner and rower in college. So, so that both of you have a running background? Is that how you came to adventure racing? Uh, I think Eric's a little bit more running than, than myself. I was more mountaineering-focused growing up uh, and then didn't really enjoy running that much uh, and it wasn't until really after college and I moved back to the Boston area that I um, started to figure out that I could translate running and mountaineering together into adventure races and uh, fell in love with it that way. So what is it people that are into mountaineering are uh, one of those groups of people that I'm interested in because you're all nuts. <laughs> so, I mean how do you I was gonna say, how do you first look at a mountain and say, "What's the hardest way up there that I can go?" <laughs> um, it's really, I mean, I think it translates well into ARs. It's it's kind of about the challenge of just getting there and seeing what you can do to to push yourself along the way. I grew up with my dad as a um, a big mountaineer. He taught me most of what I know today um, and actually still climbs with us today, and he's done a bunch of ARs with us as well. Um, but you know, I credit him with a lot of just um, teaching me about the outdoors, falling in love with it, and, and kind of learning how to take a step back and just enjoy the, enjoy the craziness of going up and down a mountain, uh, and that, that translated into adulthood. Were you uh, really into it, or did you want to stay home and play video games when he went to the mountains? I think there's always that pull. It would be much, it would be much nicer to stay home uh, at times. Um, but I think it's the challenge that draws that draws me in, um, and I think it's always been the challenge that that has drawn me into these types of races and, and to mountaineering in general. It's, I mean, everybody says like it, you don't really know your limits or know yourself until you push yourself to your limits. And there have been races where it's I have pushed myself to what I thought was the physical and mental stretch of what I could do. And then realize that there was more, uh, and I think finding that teaches you a lot about yourself. And so, while it's scary to think about pushing yourself to that level in all these events, it's uh, it, it just brings you to a, a different state of awareness, I guess. Uh, and that's what really keeps me going. Yeah. What's the What's the coolest lesson you learned from your dad that he didn't know he taught you? He didn't know he taught me. Yeah. Because I'm sure you pick stuff up just by being around them. But. Yeah. Um, you know, without him explicitly doing it, it was he, without him explicitly saying it to me, he always was big into um, safety and pushing your limits while knowing how to not put yourself in jeopardy while doing it. Um, and that was reiterated in all of the hikes that we did. I mean, he's been doing um, stuff like climbing Mount Washington in the winter, years and years. He's guided groups up there over and over and over again. And, and over and over again, he very much is of the opinion that, you know, it's better to bring the piece of gear and not need it than to not have it when you actually need it. Um, and so I think it, he's just touted um, safety and pushing the limits. And that's that's always been important to me because you can get in the, a lot of these, like, big adventure 
sports, you have people that almost have blatant disregard for their own well-being, and by proxy, that puts others at risk, especially in adventure racing when it's a team sport at its heart, right? Mountaineering you can do by yourself. Adventure racing, you have to do it on a team. So knowing how to keep yourself safe is insanely important because it translates out to keeping your team safe along the way as well. And I know Eric and I have run into situations both mountaineering and on ARs where, okay, do we take the, the crazy way and, you know, try to go up and over this snowy avalanche-looking peak or do we take the safe way and, you know, we come back and tackle this next year, next month. Um, and fortunately, we've never caught ourselves in any sort of major danger, major trouble, and I think that's a good thing. Um, yeah. we, we can keep racing, we can keep going out there, and we still have a hell of a lot of fun doing it. So um, I think that's one of the most important lessons I, I got from my dad. Yeah, that's kind of cool. Um, don't worry, Eric, we're getting there. But <laughs> do you guys – do you guys um, – well, you know, you get somebody that knows how – he's a coder. He doesn't ever get to talk, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so when you're looking at the danger, do you guys, you know, specifically when you're racing together or maybe with, you know, two more people, do you see things the same way, like the danger, or do you look at it – Do one of you might think, oh, it's not so bad, and the other like, yeah, it's bad. Uh, that's a good question. I mean, one example springs to mind where we were, so like I have a background in rowing and we were, this was not tamed in 2014 and we were on this lake in the middle of the night. Uh, and you know, uh, the, the white, the water was white, there were white caps on it and it was almost over the gunnels of the, of the canoe. And I told Rick, I was like, Hey, is there a bailout point? It's like the middle of the night. The water's probably pretty cold. If we flip, we're kind of screwed. Uh, and he was like, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, there's a bailout point. We're near shore. We weren't near shore at all. Uh, we're <laughs> a mile away. Um, so I think uh, for me, definitely, like Rick has a lot more experience in the outdoors. I didn't even really get into hiking until after college. Um, so for me, I'm probably more concerned with safety than Rick is from a sense of because I'm less experienced with things. Um so maybe like I'm just less confident in general of determining whether something is safe or not. And I err on the side of like, uh, maybe it's not, uh, but we made it through. Okay. So, you know, I have full trust in Rick in those situations to be like, no, we'll be okay. Um, and I, I think for the most part, we, we generally are on the same page when it comes to the, the level yeah, of risk I, we're willing to take we on together flow, too. You know, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. there's certainly been, been climbs we've been on where we'll look at each other and just go, Nope. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> um, and a quick turnaround results right from there, and we come back at it in the next year, the next month. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is it almost? How do I want to put this? When you when you when you get in that situation, and you look at each other and you say, "Nope," is it almost um, not a relief, but is it is it almost justification or that? You guys know what you're doing. And, and it's, so it's not a bad thing. It's like, oh, yeah, we know this isn't good. Let's come back. And, and do you feel good about that? I think I feel I feel good about having a decision. Like, it's disappointing. But, yeah. you know, going going up is optional. Coming down is mandatory. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think there's, there's two different ways of, that we've said no in the past as well. I think there's the we're we're getting ourselves into such an extreme situation that it doesn't matter the, the level of experience we have, anybody would be getting themselves into trouble in this case. So we need to find a way out safely. Um, that, I think, unanimously, we look at each other and say, that was the right call, and there's not much that you can do about it. Uh, I think there's the other type of nope, which, you know, we actually had, um, we had recently, we were doing a... Uh, a winter attempt of the, what, the Great Traverse. Oh yeah, the Great Range Traverse. The Great Range Traverse out in the Adirondacks, and we got um, through the first day, and the the snowpack, a breaking trail. It was all so dense. It was all on um, these insane peak lines. We just realized that our answer to each other was nope, uh, not because of the the level of danger we experienced, but mostly because we weren't prepared yet for what all of what we would experience up there so we came back down with the, the notion of like all right this is great now we know exactly what to train for and tackle um before we go back the next time and i, I actually think that that's kind of i like those notes because it, it keeps me aware that there's more and more that i have to learn from these sports 
and there's more that I can go back and teach myself um, and then come back and put those skills to the test and then get through it. Uh, yeah. I think that's really cool. Yeah, I mean, in the summer, like, you can be really risky in the summer. Like, that's the time where it's like, yeah, whatever, you know, if you get stranded somewhere, you're probably not going to freeze to death. Yeah. Um, yeah. You can do a lot more risky things in the summer, and I think in the winter, we're definitely more risk-averse because there's so much more on the line. Uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I've just been actually yeah. talked to this last couple of people I talked to, but not necessarily come out in order because I never know how the when I'm going to post podcast, but um, Paulette, my wife, always says her her mantra is, "Yeah, this is really hard and it sucks, but is it going to kill me?" <laughs> if the answer is if the answer is no, you can keep going, right? Yeah. And if the answer is yes, then maybe, and and the answer can be yes a lot more times in the winter, I think. Oh yeah, for yeah. sure, hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. Yeah, we so, we joke we joke a bunch, especially when we were coming back from Spain. We we're like, well. Yeah, a lot of it's just a straight suffer fest, but you keep pushing through it because you know that there's going to be some awesome moments that you hit as you're as you're going through the whole race. But yeah. your your brain likes to try to say no a lot, but you know your yeah. body can keep pushing. That's exactly it. Um, all right, so Eric, this strikes me: um, Are you split personality because you were a rower and then a runner? And that, that seems like rowing with a bunch of people. Did you just get tired of people and then start running? Oh, so, yeah, it's a good question. I did it in the opposite order, actually, so oh. I guess you could say I got lonely. But uh, <laughs> I raced uh, competitive cross-country and track for two years in college uh, for a variety of reasons. I just wanted to – I was kind of tired of running competitively. Um, and then I did rowing for two years, um, which was fun. And then, like, after college, I got back into running, and I run competitively again now. Uh, but uh, – yeah, I don't know what drew me to rowing from running. I think I really always liked the idea of rowing in a boat with, like, eight other people and all being dependent on each other. Um, running's, you know, you're on a team, you score as a team, but running's still a very solitary sport by nature, um, and rowing is, is not, so. Yeah. The only only thing I sort of know about rowing is they talk about when that that teamwork, the team all just kind of gets to that, I don't. I won't. I don't want to say mystical, but that mystical place where you're all just like one. Mm-hmm. What's, what's that like? <laughs> huh? That's an easy question. Yeah. What's it like? Easy. Um, God. I mean, it's. You can imagine when you're in a personal state of flow, where you're in a race and you're just in the zone and everything's working. You know, mm-hmm. it's just you're you're you feel like you're floating on two feet and two pairs of a pair of legs that'll never tire. And I think in, in the boat, when you get to that same feeling, you, you get that personally, but then you also have this sense of camaraderie that's larger than yourself, uh, which is, you know, it's really incredible. It's hard to explain, um, but you really, you just feel like you're part of something bigger than just you, uh, which you can't experience in a solitary sport. Yeah. Does it, does it happen often? I would think when you got eight people plus, well, nine, it, it, hard to get everybody there at the same time yeah it is and i mean we uh you know i ran on a varsity i ran d3 uh, i wasn't d1 or anything but um our rowing team was like a, a club team so um we definitely you know i think with a lot of the really competitive teams like up here in boston they probably hit it more often but for us it would you know sometimes you go weeks by uh and you just don't get it but then you have that one practice or that one race where just like everything clicks and it feels like you're just flying on the water um, yeah. You can't predict what's going to happen. It's just like a race. You can't know what race you're going to feel good for. You know, I felt terrible for races that I thought I was prepared for, and vice versa. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I I can remember that back in the day. It's like, oh yeah, this nothing. It ain't going to happen today. And you, yeah, you just smoke it. Yeah. So, what's that all about? But <laughs> so, would you would you rather? For just say you're going for a run, you know you're racing. Would you rather go into it feeling crappy and not worry about it, or like feeling like, yep, I'm really on top of my game and I'm going to smoke everybody? Uh, I definitely prefer feeling on top of my game. I think that the biggest thing, though, like for example, uh, I run Boston every, every year up here, mm-hmm. and. I DNF'd the marathon last year because I went in like feeling awesome, but I set these really high expectations for myself 
And at 20 miles, like things weren't really working during the race. And at 20 miles, I had just completely exhausted everything I had. Um, so the biggest thing, I definitely like to feel good, but I've learned and I need to force myself to control and like contain that energy uh, mm-hmm. throughout, right? In the beginning of the race, you have something left at the end. That's the biggest danger. It, it's great like if you feel bad and then you have a great race because um, you don't have any expectations, right? So it's all about making yeah. expectations for yourself. Yeah. How do you – I mean, well, let's say specifically Boston Marathon kind of – you know, we all know that. Mm-hmm. How do you know how hard to to how hard that you want to go? Yeah, I mean, it, you you should know how how fit you are and stuff. But how do you decide? This is what I can I think I can do today. It's a good question, um, and it's funny you say that. I've developed a pretty decent ability to run on feel over the years. I actually, so I ran a PR in Boston this year and at the halfway mark at the half marathon, I said to myself, I said, if I don't do anything stupid, I'm going to run a PR today. Um, and I did. Um, so I've learned to just run on feel, you know, I just have to understand this. I feel how I feel right now and then predict like, okay, 10 miles from now, I will feel like X and that's okay. Or, I will feel like why, and that's not okay, so I need to slow down. Um, it's a really fine line. Yeah, I don't know how to describe it. You know, you can try to run by a watch, but if you don't feel good, you're just, you can't force yourself to run fast. Yeah. Um, well, that, that'll bring me, we'll do our training question. So do you train by the watch or the heart monitor or, or over the next hill, as I so cleverly like to put it? So I, uh, so I mostly train on field. Um, I do not. I do track workouts, so those are timed, um, and obviously I race quite a bit, so that gives me kind of levels of performance. But for the most part, like I've done heart rate monitor training, and I just, I just don't like it. If I feel fast one day, I'll run fast. If I don't, I won't. Um, the speed work is more regulated, so I can understand my progression there. But for like your usual just ten mile training run, that's I'm just doing that based on feel. Yeah, I keep things um, super simple. Like, I don't use a lot of tools, and I don't use Strava yeah. or anything. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm not so sure that the old way. Okay, maybe maybe if you're trying to run the two hour marathon, you, yeah. you need to use your heart monitor. But for the rest of us, I think, yeah, just go have fun, right? Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot, it's funny too because you hear about a lot of studies out there on some of the the heart monitors and all the phys- physical fitness devices you can have and. In some cases, it actually correlates with a negative performance in your fitness. You get so attuned to the numbers that you forget how to just enjoy going out there and running or training. Uh, yeah. So it's, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm with Eric on this one. It's way more fun to, to train by feel and, and see, just see how your body is doing that day. Yeah, I've been listening to some different podcasts. You know, uh, Phil Gaiman does a lot. You know, it's all power and watts and stuff, but... His coach literally puts in, they call them um, soul rides every once in a while. Mm-hmm. Where you just, you know, I'm not sure, sir, that maybe we should just call it soul training, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Eric, you ran a PR at Boston. What was it? I ran 245. How, can you go faster? Uh, yeah, I think if it were cooler, I would have run a 243. Um, oh. I think I won't be happy. I kind of, to sign off on marathon running, I definitely want to get below 240. I think sub 235 would be like an awesome kind of like, I've checked that box now, yeah. um, but I got to start running. I got, I think I need to run 100 miles a week to do that. Um, yeah. So and I, that just needs to be a huge time commitment. It is. So I actually run to work, so I don't have a commute, so that's pretty sweet. Uh, so it's not a big deal, the time commitment. It's like seven miles each way to work, and there's some shorter routes I can take, so... That's easy, luckily. Not bad. And you work for a startup, so you probably got showers and a kitchen. And- we do now. We did before. <laughs> for, for a while, we were using, a lot, of gold, we were using yeah. a lot of gold bond and deodorant in the office. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, much so, to the chagrin of our uh, of our peers. <laughs> yeah. And, and just so people get kind of the full uh, flavor of it, these guys are up 
on video and and they are sitting in an old brick building. It's true. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, okay, so we talked for twenty five minutes. Let's and we haven't even mentioned adventure racing. So maybe maybe we need to talk about that for a little bit, huh? Sure. Yeah. Let's get into it. So did you guys started together? We did. Yes. Yeah. What was your first race? Yeah. Our first AR was was together. Um, Bitter Pill in 2011. Yeah, it was the GMAR Bitter Pill. Uh, It was a 10-hour race in in 12-hour race in Southern Vermont. And I remember, so we we got into we got into ARs because we were going for, we actually worked together at a previous job as well. Yeah. And we were running together at lunch and we started talking about the, the eco challenge show from back in the nineties. We were just reminiscing on how cool of a, a concept it was. And we wondered if that sport still existed. Uh, and we ended up just doing a quick Google search. And I remember Eric called me when I was driving home from the office and he said, I found one in Vermont. It's like 12 hours long. Do you think we should just sign up for it? And I remember being like, yeah, we should just sign up for yeah, it. That's, that sounds good. <laughs> Let's see what this is all about. Not really grasping everything that it was going to entail. And uh, we ended up getting paired up with a third guy as well from the, the race crew. And we went up there together and um, absolutely just flamed out during the race. Just <laughs> cramps. We, we didn't even get to the final third of the course. <laughs> we had bike problems. We had yeah, foot awful. problems. We, uh, Chafing, we, had, uh, we had everything. We, we didn't know anything. Any, yeah. None of us, we'd never done ultra marathons or anything like we've done. We've never done any of that stuff. Uh, yeah, so <laughs> it was it was pretty bad, but I remember we got to the end. We, we immediately fell asleep. We didn't even make it to the post-race like food. We yeah, just we went right it. to our hotel room <laughs> at 8 o'clock and passed out. We woke up the next day, and we were like, that was awesome. Like We might not have done well, but that was damn awesome. Uh, can't wait to do it again, so... Uh, I think without skipping a beat, like a few weeks later, we signed up for a 24 and a 48 hour race the following year. <laughs> and then it kind of just propelled forward from there. What is in your guys' mindset? And I mean, I kind of sort of know from talking to you, but, you know, it was, it was a crappy, your, your first race should have under any circumstances been a crappy race. And yet here you are like, Oh no! Let's double and quadruple this. Why? What? What do you? What's in your head? Um, I think for me, the the things that kept us moving slow, and in ARs, there's so many things. There's so many technical skills to work on. But for me, at least, the things that kept us slow and in the back of the pack were easily fixable, um, and we identified that right after the race. You know, chafing, wet socks, wet shoes. What type of terrain will we be going over? Um, so it was easy to, it was easy to see where we ended up and know that if we fixed those problems that were really easy to solve, why wouldn't we be able to do a 24 or a 48? Um, and of course those came with their own next set of problems that we encountered. Um, but it wasn't like we, we got off the course and went, wow, that was insanely hard. We have no idea how we even remotely try to train for the next one. Uh, I think it was, we, we had a good set of goals in our mind as to what, what to look out for in the next race, such that we felt confident trying to go in. Yeah, yeah, you know, I mean, yeah. Rick's probably going to laugh when I say this because I've been on a kick about it lately. But for whatever <laughs> reason, it's it was meaningful to do it again. Um, I like to use the word meaningful because I don't think like a lot of people say racing is fun, and I don't. It's not always fun. In fact, in the mm-hmm. moment, a lot of times it's really miserable. Um, but at the end of the day, it's meaningful and. I don't know what it is about about it. It was just like, you know, that was a challenge. It was awful sometimes. Uh, we had a lot of suffering. We learned a lot. We were really bad at it. Um, but I kind of enjoy doing things that I'm bad at because then you get good so quickly early on that it's really satisfying. Um, yeah. 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 So how long, how many races, how long a time period before you did the first race that you were like, that we did a good race. Probably our third year of racing, we had a good one. I think it was, uh, yeah, our I, first I four years it was not. Great. <laughs> I think it was the it was the third or fourth year, and we cleared a course for the first time. Yeah, and I remember we we got off of that course. And I, I want to say it might have been the bitter pill. It's probably twenty fourteen. Um, but I remember like finishing and being like, "Whoa, that was." 
we're, we got good at this sport. Like we're, we're actually doing pretty well at competition now. Cause I remember at that first race, looking at those teams that were clearing the course and just going, how on earth are they doing that? And then recognizing that we reached a kind of a stage where we were there was really, was really cool. Um, and again, just more inspiration, just plow ahead. Um, so it took a few years, but we always consistently had goals ahead of us, you know, year to year in terms of what we wanted to try to tackle and build up to. So that was a good one to hit. Yeah. Well, that's, that, yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, that's a lot of work though, about three years, um, that you guys put in. It was, did you, did you feel like it was worth it that first time? Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, it's definitely worth it. And again, you know, we do these races in the summer, but most, we do a lot of other races too, to keep ourselves occupied. Um, mm. a lot of other training and whatnot. Um, we kind of suffer through some of the disciplines like paddling. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> doesn't everybody. <laughs> yeah, right? So I don't know. Our teammate for the last race loves paddling. So it's his, his choice, but, um, yeah, I mean, it's definitely, the races are kind of, for me at least, the races are one of the most fun or, like, that. that's kind of what you, all the training, I enjoy that too, but the races, yeah. they're like, it all comes together, you know? Um, so even if you do well or not well, it's it's a test, right? It's a data point yeah. of, like, this is this is where you stand, and I, I like that. Yeah. 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 Would you guys? It's fun to, it's fun to just meet other people out there too. I feel like the AR races, they've, they've connected me to so many people on such an interesting level. Um, and everybody's fairly like-minded, um, in terms of just how they tackle the events. It's, it's a really cool crowd. Not to, I kind of compare it a little bit to triathlons as, as the other end of it. Um, nothing against folks that do triathlons a lot, but yeah. it's a lot of talking about like how many ounces you're going to lose off your bike and, and this and that and gear. Whereas in ARs, it's, it feels a little more like a, like a family, everybody chatting with each other. There's less of focus on like, the, the specific, you know, ounce or two of gear and, and more of a focus on um, just enjoying the outdoors. And I think that's exemplified in a lot of the races, too. Like Untamed, their tagline is, you know, more an adventure than a race. I think yeah. I think the focus on that is is uh, really cool and really special. And, um, yeah, I mean, I actually proposed to my wife at the end of an AR. So it was, uh, it was a lot of meaning to me, yeah. Yeah. Well, good for you. I was actually just told, talking to... What are we? I think it was a post about that. I proposed to Paulette at a at a time trial. So oh, nice. I, I painted oh, nice. I painted it on the road. Oh, excellent, <laughs> excellent. So, and then I said, "Keep going." Yeah. yeah. <laughs> don't stop. Don't stop. Yeah. Don't stop. Yeah. Just shake so, your head. Yeah. Yeah. So when you guys jumped up to Untame, that was that uh, the first time you did it? Was that? A big jump, or was that just the natural we're, progression? Very shitless. We didn't tell each other <laughs> at the time, though. So we were young, and we were like, "Oh, well, we're not going to show weakness or whatever." Fuck. Yeah. I, I was twenty-five, I think, and you were twenty-eight. Was so, yeah. yeah. It, it wasn't. It honestly wasn't until years later <laughs> that we finally started to talk to each other about that first expedition. Like, how absolutely terrified we were on that first night. I remember calling <laughs> calling my wife and being like, I don't know what I've gotten myself into after they showed the course overview. Yeah. But going back to the cabin and being like, all right, Eric, we're going to crush this. <laughs> yeah. We're going to crush it. Uh, so why do you think that – yeah, why do you think that was so scary? Cause just because it was longer or was it out out there more or – because that was 2014, right? Yeah. 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 It was the length. I mean it was the difficulty of the course. I mean they showed this course overview and it's – it's so much farther than we've ever done in a race. And obviously you have more time, but you know, just like when we did the first 24 and 48 hour, we were doing our first, what was it? Four or five days. Like it's just an unknown after that first two days. Cause we've never been there. We don't know what our bodies are going to do. And that, I think the great uncertainty there and being completely isolated in the woods uh, was a piece of it. You know, we weren't on a four person team also, it was yeah. just two of us. So a lot of our races have been done that way. Um, and I think that, amplifies it a little bit because it's like you just have the other person yeah yeah i think that's true i think it's and i don't it's not easier with four people but it's less scary in the middle of the woods with four people oh yeah yeah it's, <laughs> it's, it's definitely a different experience yeah yeah, yeah. yeah i know the, there have been times when i've hustled to keep up with a team because i don't want to be out here by myself right now <laughs> yeah yeah so. 
Yeah, so was, what was I it? think you just have the unknown as well of, um, you know, in a 24 or even a 48 hour, you know, if you, if things go real sideways, you can probably make your way back, you know, over the course of a day. But when you're out there for three, four, five days, the scary thing to me was like, wow, I really hope we packed correctly. Because <laughs> <laughs> if we get ourselves in trouble out there, there's no easy way to get ourselves out of trouble. So that's yeah. the scary part. Yeah. What's, um, what did you learn on day three then? What was day three? <laughs> Day three would have been. Uh, oh yeah, I learned yeah. that. Yeah, we walked on the road for a really long time, and my my heel pads got bruised on my feet. And that was probably the most excruciating foot pain I've ever had in a race. Um, uh-huh. I learned. Yeah, so as long as we stay off the roads, it's good. But I wear more <laughs> shoes now too. <laughs> um, so. And then, um, yeah. So and then. After you finish your first expedition, how many minutes before you said, let's do another one? <laughs> uh, it usually takes me about a week. I think it was about a week. And then I said, again, it was a similar feel to that first 12-hour race when the things that we identified that we could improve on, we, we, we had a very good set of things that we knew we could do better. So I think after a week, it, we said, all right, let's – Let's try to find another one and and really gun it and see what we can what we can do making ourselves better and then we we landed on um, doing Cowboy Tough in yeah. 2015. Uh, now it's going to be the next the next big adventure. So, how different is Cowboy Tough from Untamed? Oh, totally <laughs> night and day. I mean, <laughs> is out night and day, long yeah. long rides on roads and flat. Untamed was technical, muddy, like. You couldn't push whack. I think if you ask anybody <laughs> that went up through that Abernathy Lost World Forest, yeah. Uh, yeah. they'll tell you that there was no race like what Untamed threw at them. That was yeah. just unbelievable. I, I, feel, I count ourselves fortunate that the weather stayed pretty nice the whole time when we were doing Untamed. It never rained, yeah. If it had rained in addition to just the terrain, and man, that would have been brutal. Just yeah. brutal. So, um,. For you guys, for you two specifically, which which one of those two is harder? Uh, between the two races? Yeah, between Cowboy Tough and Untamed. Uh, my brain keeps going back to Untamed. Uh, it always does. I don't know if that's because it was the first expedition that we did or because it was actually a little bit harder. I think we, we ended up doing really well in Cowboy Tough. We almost were able to full course. We, we missed the very last cutoff when we went through Cowboy Tough. So we were feeling really good as a, as a team, that being our, our second expedition race ever and, and making it almost to be a full-course team. Yeah. Um, again, whether that was because we just we had gotten better or the course was easier, I don't know. But Untamed just stands out in my brain as a, a, a big behemoth that I I feel fortunate to be able to go back to next year. Yeah, it's... um. Yeah, I think I'd agree with you. And, and not to say that Cowboy Tough is just different. It's just hard in a different way. And the terrain is the terrain's much harder, I think, in Untamed, too. Cowboy Tough, I mean, you're out. There was hiking, you know, there's trekking, there's biking, all of that. But it's it's very, you're wide open. You can see for a long distance. You don't, Untamed, like, there's just such dense forests and bushwhacking. And, yeah. you know, there really wasn't bushwhacking in, in yeah. Cowboy Tough, like, if there was, it didn't. There weren't really bushes, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and and you could get through them. And yeah. They, yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Untamed was definitely, I think, tougher race. Um. So then was the raid your third expedition race, or did you yes, do it was. one last year? So, so um, you guys teamed up. How did how did how did you guys? How did you guys all end up at the start line together? Yeah. Um, so Cliff, uh, Cliff White was one of our uh, our third teammate that we ended up getting ringed in with, roped in with. Uh, we met him just kind of through the race circuit. Uh, he was a semi recent New England transplant, um, so he lives up in Maine, and he decided to um, be a race director and put on a Maine summer AR. And we met him uh, actually at a race before that, the Naira's longest day earlier that summer. Uh, got along well, said we were excited to see him at his race. Started chatting him up even more when we were up there, and 
the stars kind of aligned in terms of he was looking for more people to do um, a four-person team with for some time in the next year. Um, he raced a, lot, raced a lot with his wife um, and his dad, and he has a few other friends, but the schedules weren't aligning with everybody in 2016. So we said, hey, we've been looking for a team as well. Um, so then the three of us were roped together, uh, and then it was a matter of just finding a fourth. So um, in a in the perfect situation, I think his wife Kate would have raced with us, but she's yeah. um, seven months pregnant, so she wasn't yeah. going to be flying overseas uh, anytime soon. Yeah. Uh, so it was just kind of poking around online, getting feedback from other racers to see who was available and, and who might want to. You know, it's a lot to ask of someone yeah. to basically fly across the Atlantic and meet with three people you've never met with before to do a, you know, a five to six day long race. That's a huge ask. Uh, and I feel fortunate that, uh, Melody, who we got connected with online after the first few times we chatted with her, we said, okay, this, this chick's tough. Um, you know, I think she'll mesh well and bring a good skill set. Um, and you know, she's also willing to fly across the Atlantic and, and make us an official, uh, co-ed team, which was great. So, um, the first time we, we actually met Melody was in Spain, uh, the day that Eric and I landed. So, yeah, I met her at the Winter Gatherings, oh, which was put on. Yeah. Um, but that was at, back in 2013. I only knew her in passing. Um, so, it's the first time we actually chatted was in Spain. Yeah. Yeah, she's kind of a, she's kind of a tough, tough person. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so you guys didn't exactly have a perfect race, but it's, but I think you had a good race. That, that that's a good way to describe it. Yeah, I think that's a good way to describe it. Again, um, you know, a lot of teams ended up getting knocked out from injury and the weather. Um, we went in kind of with the expectation of let's see what it's like to race as a four-person team and, and try to figure out the way that you split up roles, um, the way that you split up gear, um, how to be more efficient. This is kind of a, a real like launching race, I think, for, for Eric and myself um, to really figure out what it means to try to have a constant four-person team going forward. Um, so we learned a lot out there, what it's like to race as a four-person. It's definitely more, I'd say, a little more fun than a two-person. It's definitely it's more fun. There's just more people to talk to and more ideas and yeah. you're less alone. And <laughs> if you're like kind of disagreeing with someone or whatnot, like you've got other people to talk to, like, you know, everything's yeah. not hunky-dory the whole race, so it's really good. Yeah. Uh, and then at the same time, though, you have double the amount of people that can uh, have double the amount of gear issues. So, you know, how to properly distribute weight became an issue for us. Um, fortunately, we only popped one tire when we were out there. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it was it was a good learning experience just to figure out how how to have it all blend together correctly so that mm-hmm. we can tackle the next one with uh, even more enthusiasm and just try to yeah. fix it. So is that the real goal of the race is just, just figure out the four-person deal? So I think uh, our main goal was to stay uh, on a short course or a – you know, ideally it would have been great to be full course, but yeah. a little too hard for our skill sets right now. Um, so we wanted to stay kind of in some sort of official ranking. With Untamed, we basically said this is going to be a race that we do whatever we, we want on, right? We were truly learning. We we went off certain cutoffs and, and cut to certain TAs that immediately pulled us off of the – uh, yeah, we like were, official finisher list. I guess we were yeah. unofficial. I disqualified or whatever they classified yeah. as. But we wanted we skipped a bunch of stuff at a certain point that wasn't an official cutoff because we wanted to make it to the whitewater at the yeah. end. So that yeah. was like an experience. Yeah, you know, we viewed that as. But this one we wanted to stay official, even if we you know, and we did have to short course some stuff. But and again, it was about you know staying together as a team was extremely important to us. So our first big decision was uh, the second night, about thirty six hours into the race when there was a, a large, like, 30-mile trekking leg that we were going to have to do in the middle of the night in the rain. And uh, Melody, we knew this before she came over, was, uh, you know, she had had some ankle issues that she was telling us about. Felt very, very nervous about how that was going to perform if we went out there, uh, both time-wise and just if something happened while we were out there. So, you know, as a team, we made the call, all right, we're, we're going to stay as a team. We're going to stay at the TA. We'll short course it here. That's fine. Um, it was much more preferable to stay together and make that good team decision as opposed to, you know, the three of us cutting out on our own 
and immediately going unofficial, um, it was much more important to, to stay together as a team. No, and you really kind of kind of nailed the rest of it, right? Yeah, after that, we did really well. We ended up having to cut out the. Um, we short course ourselves towards the second, the tail end trekking section as well, and came in probably twenty hours earlier than we would have otherwise. But uh, <laughs> again, in terms of in terms of good timing. Uh, <laughs> Eric got a little something into his water supply, we think. Uh, Who knows? I don't yeah, know. I was down and out for 24 hours. I needed an IV that night. I was had all kinds of digestive yeah. issues. Within I one hour. Sick and yeah. fever and stuff. Like, immediately when we crossed the finish line, I was like, I need to go. <laughs> yeah. So we think the racing gods were, were smiling a little bit on us that we yeah. made it right to the end and then... Eric just Eric took a nap with an IV for about a day and a half. Yeah. <laughs> well, that is good timing. So. Yeah, that that on the trail would not have been uh, a pleasant experience for anyone anyone involved. Eric, most especially, it would have been yeah. dragging me into Vivi if they wanted to keep going. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So now that uh, you've done the four the four person thing, um, what's next? Untamed 2018. That's the thought. That's yeah. that is yeah. the thought. So we keep getting all these messages from Grant and his team up in up in uh, New Hampshire, Maine. And it sounds like they're putting together quite a spectacular course. So um, I say usually it takes me a week to say I'll do another one. It took me about one minute after crossing the finish line to say, again, I know what we can do better as a team of four. We have to slate the next one. Untamed is coming back next year, and, and that obviously has a lot of meaning for the two of us, just because it was our first expedition race. Um, I'm, I can't wait, basically. It's, it's going to be, it will be one heck of an adventure in a race. That's, yeah, that, um, I'm already looking forward to it, even though it's really making my schedule tough because it looks like I'll have to leave, uh, untamed the day after the race to fly to France to be there oh, on man. the first. <laughs> is it? I know, that, tough, tough life, right? Yeah, tough life. Yeah, is that raid in France is starting then? I take it? No, um, Paulette's going to do the Trans-Pyrenees again. Oh, awesome. 800, 866K through the Pyrenees. Oh, wow. Wow. And I th- it, it looks like maybe I'm going to get to shoot it next year, so Very we'll cool. see. Um, all right, two questions because we got a hard out. Um, did, I, I've been asking this because it's fun to me. You guys get – one more race in your career. Um, you got to pick two new teammates. You can't race with anybody you've raced with, which is only two people. <laughs> so um, what race would you pick and, and uh, who would you want to race with? And it can be anybody. Another race. God's race. God's race. Yeah. God's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That, it's a, not a unique choice. <laughs> yeah. So. yeah we, we've talked – yeah, we keep saying it's a good, you know, it's good ten years, like ten year goal, based. Yeah, to try to yeah. get to, which would be uh, pretty cool. And then in terms of who to race with, um, so, I mean, I think we'd want to race with we want to consider Caravelle, right? So we know this guy that runs with Naira. Uh, Caravella, he's an awesome teammate. He's done mountaineering stuff with us. Yeah, we've never raced with him. Okay. He's really competitive. He runs with it. I think he's sponsored by him. But I think it could be fun to race with him. Yeah, he's just been a, he's been an awesome. He's he's been racing a lot longer than we have too, and he's been an awesome resource as we've gone to different races, just cheering us on and giving us advice. So that's been fantastic. Um, and then I was just it was funny. I was just. Um, Typing in my computer too. I think if if there was one like random person who I don't know in the world that I could pull into a race, I'd, I'd try to pull um, Ian Adamson out of retirement, and get him to get him to join us. That, that's, that that's would be a, cool. Or maybe Mike Closer. Yeah, one of the two. Yeah. It would be a, it would be a toss up, I guess. Um, but uh, but yeah, in terms of guys we know, definitely Eric Caravella. Yeah. Yeah. No. Good choices. I approve. All uh, right. Here's my last question. In I suggested this to Grant, but I don't know if he he goes for it. But um, they're uh, speculating where the race is going to start next year, and I think it should start in Fenway, and you should have to climb the Green Monster to to start. What do you think? I'd be up for that. 
That'd be great. That'd be, that'd be one hell of an iconic start, that for would sure. Be a yeah. Start. It'd be a finish. You yeah, we'll fine. climb the fence and then you know, jump in a bus and go someplace fun. Yeah. But. yeah. And yeah. I think you get your abseil down at the end instead. Yeah, that'd be pretty yeah. solid. Yeah. Well, that'd be – oh, maybe that's better. Yeah, finish there. Yeah, yeah. go right to the, right to the pitcher's mat or something or home plate. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, right be, right yeah, right before uh, Boston Yankees game. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Everybody in the stadium was going, What on earth are these guys yeah. doing? doing. Yeah. It was actually humorous. Uh, I'll say one thing. Yeah. When the one of the final TAs, major TAs in uh in Raid in Spain was in a mall. And I saw that. We kept jo- so we kept joking with each other of like, man. I don't know if people are going to look at us and think to themselves, this is a really fun sport to try someday. Because <laughs> it was like day three and four of the race. The teams were rolling in, so everyone smelled real ripe and, uh, you know, had looks to match. So, <laughs> uh, so that was a pretty unique TA. All right. So when you uh, went into the TA at the mall, uh, was there a Claire's or a Hot Topic or – was there was there any store you recognized? I don't think so. No, I don't think there was any. There yeah. was an uh, there was an H and M. I think that was the only store that I recognized yeah. there. Yeah. yeah. But uh, we used it as an opportunity to to snag a beer mid race upstairs. So that was yeah. that felt pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sounds good. All right. I'm going to let you guys go so we're not late. How's that sound? I appreciate it, Randy. Thank you so much for adjusting the time earlier. I'm sorry for the uh, the, the late adjustment there. Uh, it's, fortunately for me, I c- can make it happen. <laughs> that, that's the joy of not working for a startup and just working by myself. I yeah, can do that kind that's of stuff. So. Way to do it. Very true. Very All right. Well, cool. Well, probably won't see you guys till next year. Yeah, looking forward to meeting you, meeting you again at Untamed, though. Yeah. And uh, definitely yeah. let us know when uh, when the podcast goes live. We'd love to love to check it out, of course. I th- I think I think this one I'm going to put up Tuesday. Awesome. Sweet. Just because we kind of talked about the raid, not that much, but usually when usually when we have sort of a race report, I like to put them up right away. So sure, sure, yeah. yeah. It, it'll either be you guys or um, UWE, the Norwegian team. Oh, okay. Cause, yep. Because I'm talking to them too, so. But I think it'll probably be you. Is that wait? You you sweep? Is that the team? With the no the U M U M E S. I don't remember. I don't know. It might be. Is it Felix? I think he was the. It was the U S W E team. Was he was yeah. That anyway. Yeah. Because I'm mad at him because every time I see their name, I think it's the U S Military Endurance team. Gotcha. Because I'm a moron. <laughs> All right. Thanks, guys. Good stuff. No problem. All right, talk to you later. Bye. See you guys. Have a good one. Bye.